And once again, we are back to our resiliency. <laughs> T's and P's. T's and P's. <laughs> to Toby Max Soulpatch. <laughs> no! <laughs> no, no thoughts or prayers for that. <laughs> you don't deserve it, you little nest of hair under his oh, lower lip. Stop it! <laughs> <laughs> no! Hello, everyone, and welcome to Parks and Rewatch. I'm your host, Joe. And I'm Joy. This is just such a crazy, cool thing for me. As of recording a podcast right now, we have passed 2,000 downloads. Oh, my gosh. That is so cool to me. And it's so wild that our little Parks and Recreation Rewatch podcast has taken off the way that it has. And I'm so excited for it. It's so great. The amount of my friends that text and they're like, oh my gosh, you didn't know what Updog was? I'm like, yeah, no, I'm sorry, I think. Today, our episode of the day is season two, episode two, The Stakeout. In today's episode, Leslie and Tom spend a morning working in the community garden that Leslie has started in the bottom of the pit. While there, they discover that someone has planted marijuana in the garden. Leslie and Tom then conduct a stakeout to try and discover who planted it. They fail to discover the identity of the pot grower, but they do uncover the fact that Andy has been living in the pit and raiding the garden for food. Elsewhere, Anne and Mark go on their first date to the movies. When Mark brings Anne home, they mistake Tom for a burglar and call the police. Tom is arrested and they go to the police station to get him out, meeting Officer Dave. Leslie manages to clear up the misunderstanding and Tom is released. This episode's main B story is that Ron has a painful hernia and cannot move from his desk chair. April eventually realizes what's going on and takes him to the hospital. So let's go to deep dives. You, Joy, did probably the most incredible deep dive I have seen you do yet but before we get to that i did notice a few things here that i want to just mention first of all the fact that we have not seen the interior of ron's office for two whole episodes that's crazy i know i was looking for it in my research for something else and i wasn't seeing it and so it kind of became a deep dive of its own as I tried to figure out how long it's been since we've seen the interior of Ron's office. And it doesn't appear in Rock Show or Pawnee Zoo. And that's just weird to me. It's like one of those safe spaces where it's like, I know if we're in Ron's office, somehow it's going to be okay. Exactly. Exactly. It's a little bit of, it's a little bit of an anchor point. And it was just odd because I didn't notice that we didn't see it because Ron's in those episodes, but his office is not. And then I also noticed that when Ron calls April into his office to ask for his lunch, there's a paperback visible under his crossword puzzle. This book is The Last Wilderness, and no reference to it is made again in the series. You know, sometimes he will talk about books or authors that he enjoys, such as Jack London. But this book, The Last Wilderness, was first published in 1955. Uh, and the description of the book from Amazon tells the 
lively and entertaining story of the Olympic Peninsula. The fist of land thrust north between Puget Sound and the Pacific Ocean, a wilderness area of 6,000 square miles, as large as the state of Massachusetts, more rugged than the Rockies. It's lowlands blanketed by a cool jungle of fir and pine and cedar. It's peaks bearing hundreds of miles of living ice that gave rise to swift rivers alive with giant salmon. The first land in the Pacific Northwest to be ex- to be reported by explorers, the last to be mapped, the last wilderness. I kind of wow. got goosebumps reading that description. I just got overwhelmed by the amount of adjectives that were used. There was a lot. And the description of the fist of land thrust north. <laughs> I'm like, what, is this defiance? I it's don't know. great. Uh, And then it says Murray Morgan has recorded the epic adventures of the pioneers of this remote region in this rousing and humor filled saga, one that should capture the imagination of Americans everywhere. And the picture on the cover is three men with handsaws in front of a massive tree. They are in the process of cutting down. This is such a Ron Swanson book. And I love that. <laughs> absolutely the kind uh, of book job. that he would be reading hey good good dive proud of you <laughs> and then when andy shows up at the pit leslie briefly mistakes him for the kingpin and takes pictures of him with her camera revealing just how bad she is at stakeouts the camera flash is on Not only would that instantly give you a way to whoever you're trying to take pictures of, but the flash would just bounce off of the van window and the interior of the van and ruin your image. Mm. And if all those things weren't enough, the flash also wouldn't reach far enough to illuminate a subject that far away, even if you were standing outside and didn't care about stealth. So that whole thing is just completely pointless. It made me so stressed. Okay, so first of all, she's holding the camera, looking at the like live view screen. No, if you're a real photographer, like you hold it with your lens in your left hand because it's an mm-hmm. SLR, right? So right. you have to do the zoom and maybe focus if you don't have autofocus with your left hand. And then you're holding it up with your right hand with your right index finger on the shutter. Not like holding it away from you by both sides of the camera body with a lens that big. And can we talk about how long your exposure would have to be in a dark place like that? Like your aperture is wide open. You turn the flash on. Ugh. Yeah, it's just uh, it's, so uncomfortable. Uh, no. <laughs> All right, Joe, are you ready? I am ready. This is the deepest dive I have probably ever done. And it um, was in conglomeration and partnership with my resident nature nerd, Amanda. Um, I texted her yesterday morning and was just looking for some overall assistance with like, what is this garden and what is in it? And then she texted me back and was like, why, of course, Joy Bork, I will start my day with Parks and Rec. And then we proceeded to FaceTime for about a half hour and both of us were standing in front of our respective TVs like starting and stopping and starting and stopping and it was beautiful okay so let's set the scene the um community garden is in the bottom of the pit so there are two main garden beds and there are four plots per bed um 
first question I asked Amanda was like, how long would it take for the garden to get to where it is? And she said, about two months. Um, But like nine minutes into the episode, when Leslie and Tom confront Andy about taking stuff out of the garden, Andy says, someone just planted a garden with a lot of fruits and vegetables down there. Question mark? I don't see any fruit per se, but Amanda also said that technically anything with the seed is a fruit. So like tomatoes. Something just doesn't sit well with me about that, but it's fine. Yeah, it's weird because Andy doesn't seem like the kind of person who would get into a technicality like that. So does he just not know what fruit is? I mean, you know, it is Andy. Our statement proves itself. Um, And then later when Andy's in the stakeout van, he says, I haven't had anything but fruits and vegetables for weeks now. So the timeline is really, really confused on this. So Leslie's pitching it like, I just did this, but then, I don't know, what even is time? I don't know. <laughs> We're back to time. It's time linear and funny. Amanda's biggest issue when she looked at the beds was like, but where is the water going to drain to? So many of the plants that are inside of it need um, water to be able to drain out or else like the water would just flood the beds and stay there. So we can see easily that there's tomatoes, corn, um, and bell peppers, and herbs. Like, all of those really like drainage. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved this quote from Amanda. She said, certain plants don't like wet feet because the roots are how they breathe. There you go. The more you know. <laughs> Bobby Newport doesn't know how to identify plants. Um, the plants are at least two months established. Um, and she was like, has it not been raining for two months? I don't know. That's just confusing because they would have flooded. So I did Google um, what carrot leaves look like, and I looked at what pot looks like. They don't look the same. No, they carrot, do not. Carrot leaves look way more like cilantro-ish than marijuana does. I'm not like a plant expert, so I'm probably not saying the technicalities of this right, but I don't quite know how that got mistaken. Yeah, it's a little bit of a stretch. Um, carrots do have very distinctive tops. I think they're pretty hard to mistake for any other root vegetable. So, but, I don't know. But here we are. We're also talking about Andy and Leslie. So True. Okay, so some logistical issues. Where do they get water from when they do want to irrigate these? I saw a hose on an I-beam in the opening shot where Leslie's throwing fertilizer down into the pit. There's a hose that goes up to the right and a hose that goes up to the left. And Anne's house is up on the left, but like, did they connect it to Anne's house? I don't know. That feels weird. What's on the right? I don't know. Very confusing. Very confusing. There were two raised sprinkler heads in the inside of the the garden. So there has to be a water source somewhere, but I don't know where. Just Yeah. These are great questions for which I have no answers. I don't either. This is what keeps me up at night. (laughs) Um, So while Amanda and I were nerding out, we realized there's continuity errors. I love continuity errors. They make my heart so happy. Um, So at 848, um, the tiny plants that were on the bench are gone. Um, When Dave and Leslie go back down into the pit, there are plants on the potting bench again. And then at 1941... The plants are different on the potting bench. Wow. So maybe there's a lot of work being done down there, but we all know Tom's not doing it. (laughs) How is this getting funded? When Leslie goes into Ron's office to be like, 
we found marijuana. If this happens and it gets out, I'm not here. And Ron's like, but it doesn't have any funding. I'm like, if it doesn't have any funding, how did it get off the ground the way it did? I ran some very rough numbers just to try to wrap my head around it. Are you ready for this, Joe? I'm ready. So according to Amanda, the amount of fertilizer they bought would probably trip somebody's homemade bomb alarm. Like, (laughs) (laughs) what is even happening? I counted at least 51 bags of fertilizer. Why would anyone need 51 bags of fertilizer for those two garden beds? That just seems like way too much. Right. So um, I ran some numbers and the fertilizer bags could run anywhere from 250 to like 50 bucks. And so if they have at least 51 bags, we're talking like 130-ish dollars to like $2,500. Okay, so that's, what is that money? I don't know. Um, I found the actual type of soil that they had behind them. I couldn't find the type of fertilizer, which made me sad, but I did find the soil. It's Kellogg 685 Natural Garden Soil. Um, The only place I found it was on eBay, (laughs) surprisingly. which costs forty seven eighty one per bag. So then there was twelve bags I counted at least in the pit, which brings that up to five hundred and seventy three dollars and seventy two cents. So on the high side, we're looking at at least thirty one dollars thirty one hundred dollars into this project, not including the lumber for the bed frames or the soil fencing or anything else that's already there. So I'm just very confused. Do you have any thoughts? Where did they get I this don't money? No, I mean. We do see in some other episodes that Leslie is often willing to shell out for community projects herself uh, to the tune of like a thousand dollars when she pays for the um, when she pays for the recreation center teachers to keep their classes. Mm. So I don't know if she's just going into her own pocket for this. But I also think that they just never anticipated people like us would be asking these types of <laughs> questions. It's so true, though, because when I've watched these episodes before, it's just like, oh, yeah, of course that happened. Whatever. Yeah, there's a garden. OK. OK, sure. There's a garden. It's fine. And it hasn't, it hasn't been <laughs> until this that I'm like, wait, wait, a, wait a second. That's not how this works. <laughs> the cargo van is so weird to me. If you're going to be loading up like 50 to 100 plus bags of all of this fertilizer soil stuff why would you use a cargo van like use a truck that's what trucks are for i've never seen this van before um so apparently Pawnee owns the van because leslie tells tom to get the van and meet her at seven and then when they go to the stakeout there are at least seven bags of fertilizer still in the van um so even if it wasn't compost like manure, the chemicals in the fertilizer still aren't safe to be in enclosed spaces with for long periods of time. Yeah, but that yet, seems like at the very least a bad headache. Right, which could make sense why Tom ended up being super belligerent later. <laughs> and he made no sense. That's true. Okay. <sighs> Finally. Um, Joe, with the shovel guitar, shovel guitar, everybody wants to play a shovel guitar. What would it actually sound like? Uh, so I did put in the notes uh, a video for you to watch. Did you watch the video? Oh, oh, it's called Shovel Metal. <laughs> One string shovel guitar. <laughs> oh, gosh. They already they wrote a story about it. It's a, wow. 
he oh i have so many issues with this video already <laughs> but he's got a little sebastian cup but there's nothing in his little sebastian cup <laughs> oh he's got it he has electrified the shovel guitar uh-huh and he's playing metal on it of course he's playing metal on it that only makes sense <laughs> he is one of several people on the internet who have taken real normal shovels and turned them into guitars. They don't sound great. Usually people just put one heavier gauge string on them, like the low E of a six string or the low B of a seven string, mm -hmm. and then just gent on them. <laughs> Do you know what that oh, word means? I don't. Please gent. tell me. It's, I'm scared, but tell me anyways. It's sort of just a uh, kind of a colloquialism in the metal world where the word gent kind of refers to the sound that the chugs on the low strings make. Mm -hmm. So when it's like, duh, 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 that's, that's gent. So, ah. yeah, but it can be done. I, I'm not sure why you would do it, except, you know, it's the internet and YouTube exists, but you can look up shovel guitar videos if you want. Would you be willing to post that link um, yeah. along along with our... Yeah, I'll put, that in, the put show that in the show notes. And now it's time to go to the Horticulture Corner with Joy. Ba -ba -da -ba -da -da -ba. Flowers! <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that was worth it. <laughs> what even is life? I don't know, but that was great. That was One great. of my favorite things to do on this podcast is just invent scenarios where I can lean back from the mic and yell stuff. <laughs> that was a perfect time. When Leslie points to the tomatoes, she's like, hey, what are th what is the Latin name for this? And he goes, soldier boy tellums. Actually, it's... Sol mm, this is going to be really hard for me. <laughs> Solanum lycopersicum. I'm sorry, Amanda. I'm ruining all of these. He said there's a plant that's called ditties, but there wasn't like a direct shot that showed what the ditties were. Um, the black-eyed Susans, he called them bone thugs. Um... The Latin name for them is Rudbeckia herda. Um, lavender, he called it harmoniums. And I, I looked up all of these to make sure they were actually real groups. Um, this was the only one I couldn't actually find a music group for because he specifically said rappers. So, like, there was a Canadian group called Harmonium that was active from 1972 to 78 that did folk progressive art music. I listened to a little bit, and it's, like, definitely not rap. So... Well didn't he say, I thought he said, I thought the Bone Thugs was all one. I th he, he said Bone Thugs and Harmoniums. I don't know. But there were two things in that shot. So there was the Black Eyed Susans on the left and the, the English Lavender on the right. <laughs> so I don't know. I'm just going to go with it. So um, Lavender's uh, Latin name is Lavendula. English Lavender, I'm going to totally like butcher this but it's lavendula angustifolia and i almost just got stuck on angus because i was thinking about beef because burgers are for dinner because meal planning some obviously for some reason my mind went to scottish <laughs> <laughs> scottish like angus 
Angus de Folia. So I think maybe when you're done with these, I might want to go through and take a stab at him with a Scottish accent. I mean, that only makes sense. I couldn't tell which plant he was referring to as ludicrous, but the other plants that we found were peppers, which are capsicum annum, corn, which is Z maize, basil, which is Ossimum basilicum, carrots, which are Daucus carota, and so there's that. Like that was, that was my horticulture deep dive. Are you ready, Joe? This is your moment. This is I'm your gonna, time to shine. I'm gonna try them. So I'm just gonna go back to the, go back to the top of the list and try to get them in my <laughs> Scottish accent. So uh, the tomatoes be sawing them like capsicum. Yes, of course they are. <laughs> Uh, the black-eyed Susans would be the Rudbeckia herta. Yeah, that makes uh, sense. The lavender would be lavandula, or the English lavender would be <laughs> lavandula angustifolia. Oh. Uh, the peppers would be capsicum annum. The uh-huh. corn uh-huh. would be zimais. <laughs> <laughs> the, That's just like a... <laughs> it's a <laughs> the basil would be uh, Osimum basilicum. Yeah, and of course the, it is. The carrots would be Dacus carota subspecifus. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this has been Horticulture Corner with uh, Joy and Joe. Uh, we've been in quarantine too long. Science! <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for you to do it, but you didn't do it. <laughs> I, it was worth it to have you do it. I think that was fantastic. Okay, great. Cool, cool, cool. And now it dun, is time dun, dun, for our likes dun, dun, and dislikes, where we discuss what we liked about this episode dun, dun, and what we dun, did not like so much. Dun, fight, fight. Dun, fight, fight. Likes! Joe, what did you like? I liked Tom giving Leslie names of rappers when she asked what the names of the plants are. Brilliant touch of comedy there. I liked Leslie's description of the CD she burned. Songs about people watching people. It's Mm -hmm. mostly Sting. That was so good. (laughs) So good. And also, burned CDs. That was a little bit of a blast from the past. Yeah, I don't even have a CD drive on, a, on my laptop anymore. So, did you burn CDs back in the day, Joy? Oh, I totally did. What was your most fire burned CD? So, I was, um, you know, sheltered homeschooler. We've already gone over this. Right. So, like, the th- music that was most on the edge was, like, Kirk Franklin like Ooh, in the stomp yeah. days. That's good, yeah. Or like Grits. Do you remember yeah. Grits? Oh, absolutely. Um, my life be like, ooh, ooh ah. Yeah, that one. Ooh. And I felt so baller for listening to that song. And absolutely. then I look back and I'm like, Joy, you're a little white chick <laughs> in a 94 Ford Explorer <laughs> driving around listening to Grits. Cute, though. So on your awesome Burn Mix CD, what would, like, say, like, top three songs? Uh, Stomp, My Life Be Like, and, oh, gosh, what even did I listen to in those days? Like, anything from the WoW CDs? I don't know. 
Yeah, those are the only two I can think of. All right. That's like real far back. I thought about going out to my car and getting my CDs, but then I realized I don't have anywhere to play them. <laughs> so then there's that. Sure, sure. What about you? Pressing On by Reliant K. Mm-hmm. That would definitely be a top Sadie Hawkins your... dance? Yeah. Um, not that one so much. Like if that I got was probably pick, on mine. If I got to pick one, there, there, there's your third one. There you go. Hawkins dance. If, if I got to pick like the, the top Reliant K song from that day for me, it'd be Pressing On. Mm. Rock Fist by Thousand Foot Crutch. Well done. And probably be Tonight by PAX 217. You know what I just realized? My other ones would have been P.O.D., Youth Ooh, of the Nation, yes, or absolutely. Alive. Yes, P.O.D. What was Rock Fist? Because all I could think of, this is so bad, was like the more in like the past 10 years worship song of We Raise Our White Flag. And I was like, no, this is not, <laughs> no, this is not a white flag. This no. is Rock Fist. No. So did you ever listen to Thousand Foot Crutch? They were a little too on the edge for okay. what okay. my parents would tolerate. I mean, it, it got a lot of radio airplay and stuff. So it was the one that was like, throw up your rock fist. If oh, you feel yeah. it when I drop this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> totally. <laughs> this has been fantastic. And thank you for joining us for Musical Histories with Joy and Joe. Music! Bark, <laughs> bark! <laughs> 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 I also liked Andy saying, I'm supposed to have a rock fight with this crazy guy. <laughs> I didn't catch that till the third time I watched it. Uh, I just love his commitment to that line. Like the disappointment you and the conflict you can hear in his voice. And he's like, oh, I'm supposed to have a rock fight with this mm-hmm. crazy guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that line still makes me laugh out loud. It's great. Yeah, for sure. I liked Ron's line, I was born ready. I'm Ron effing Swanson. Then immediately followed by him yelling in pain as he's helplessly (laughs) slammed around by April. (laughs) (laughs) And then my last like is Andy sad eating a carrot. (laughs) He totally did. Just like barely standing over the pit. Like, oh, it's so good. So, Joy, what did you like about this episode? So I took a note from your book and I watched it with the captions on Ah, for one of my rounds. And the intro music, right when the intro starts, it's brackets and it just says triumphant music. (laughs) I was like, well, why? Yes. Yes, it is. (laughs) Thank you for telling me captions. You are so helpful. Um, I also said that I loved Leslie's mixed CD with songs about people watching people. Um, And I freeze framed on when she said, look, and I put us on it. Um, She put horribly photoshopped heads of Leslie and Tom onto a picture of two (laughs) law enforcement officers in flak jackets eating donuts and drinking coffee. (laughs) Because that's what you do on a stakeout, obviously. Andy stuffing the entire candy necklace into his mouth and not noticing the string. It's there's not like a, a middle zone of like likes or dislikes. I like his commitment. I dislike it because I can still remember the feeling in my mouth and in my throat of accidentally almost swallowing the string. Yeah, I could feel it when I wrote it and I can still feel it right now. (sighs) So like, (laughs) good job, Andy, but like, no. Mm -mm. This sounds like we're kind of tapping into a vein of trauma in your past. Yeah, you know, it's a thing. Here we are. So candy necklaces. It's a good thing I have counseling next week. Next week? Maybe it's next week. I don't know. I'll bring it up. What are days anymore? (laughs) 
My counselor keeps saying she's going to listen to my podcast. So if she ever does, hello. <laughs> I'm so grateful for you. Please talk to me about the candy necklace string. I'm also loving Andy's commitment to jumping back in the pit when the van was getting towed. The form with which he launched himself into the pit definitely would have caused serious injury. Oh, absolutely. Like it would be a straight up belly flop if he was jumping into water, but he was not jumping into water. He was jumping into a dirt pit. <laughs> I'm so pleased to welcome Dave to the show. Officer Sanderson. I realized I had never actually paid attention to his uniform. So I double checked. The insignia on his uniform is actually a police sergeant, which was great because they called him sergeant. And I never looked at the the Pawnee patch. So like I dove into this Pawnee patch and it was amazing. So it's got a yellow background, American flag, an Indiana flag. And then on the top in the middle, there's a vicious raccoon over (laughs) the word Indiana. That made me So so happy. And then... And the center seal of the patch, which I realized that's the Pawnee seal, which I've never looked at either. Um, It looks like there's a hunter victoriously standing over a dead bison. And in the background, there's another human holding an axe next to a bunch of trees he cut down. Like, good job, Pawnee. You ruined (laughs) the wilderness. Raccoons, atrocities, all that good stuff. It's the circle of life, basically. Genius design, though. Right? You kill the bison, you kill the trees, the raccoons come to get you. (laughs) Cause and effect. Karma! (laughs) I also liked when Dave said that he thinks Tom may be some sort of a pervert, and Leslie responds, no, 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 look, that's just what people think when they first meet him, but he's all talk. (laughs) Have I not talked about Tom being a pervert? (laughs) Okay, the last line of the show. After um, Ann and Mark tell Tom they didn't get him arrested for being a pervert, they thought he was a criminal, Ann goes, after Tom walks away, for the record, I think he's actually still a pervert. And I was like, <laughs> ah! and then it cuts right to, to the credits. So that That's made me super one. happy. <laughs> oh, That was a lot of words. Joe, it was. what did you not like? So I just have one dislike for this episode, and it's the fact that the one kind of candy that Leslie brought to this stakeout was candy necklaces. Mm. Leslie, you could have brought gummy bears. You could have brought red Australian licorice. You could have brought peach rings, Mike and Ike's, lollipops, Jolly Ranchers. Literally anything Mm -hmm. would have been better than this solidified Mm -hmm. chalk garbage candy. But they didn't have to pay royalties on it. Because there was no logo, so true. But uh, even in the world of generic candy, I feel like you can do better than that. That's true. The candy necklaces are like one notch above Valentine hearts. Yeah. On grossness scale. Yeah. But so. you know, um, uh, Smarties are one notch above Valentine's hearts, in my in my opinion. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. So there you go. Glad we had this talk. (laughs) So, Joy, what is you dislike about this episode? (sighs) Leslie says in the intro that Tom and I come down here early to work on the garden. And Tom's totally just chilling in the pit in his lounge chair next to a cooler that has a bottle of Coppertone SPF 30 next to him. (laughs) Um, Amanda pulled that one out. Props, Amanda. He's sitting in a garden plot. Like, dude, maybe you want to sit outside the garden plot (laughs) where there might not be plants. 
that's cool that's cool it's fine um after the debacle in the last episode about his peach shirt i am so shocked that tom is rocking a bright pink polo with the monogram th on it which he says in the episode he spent $120 to get it monogrammed. And so I did a really quick Google and realized the price of monogramming ranges from like 6 to 12 bucks, according to Monogram Your Gift Guide at the company store, depending on the length of the monogram and the product type. What did he have to do to make it $120? I think this is just representative of the fact that this is Tom Haverford, one of the CEOs of Entertainment 720, mm. not exactly known for his financial savvy. So I can totally see him just getting massively ripped off in yeah. uh, in getting this monogrammed. Yeah, it's like the um, the falsehood of if it costs more, it's a better quality. Exactly, which is not actually true, but. Tom buys into it. Yeah, but to Tom, that's like a code of his life. True, true. Can we talk about the bucket drum for a minute? (laughs) If you're on a stakeout, you're not going to sit in an enclosed van banging on a plastic drum. (laughs) And by drum, I mean bucket. What? Yeah, I think this just further solidifies the fact that Leslie is the least effective partner for a stakeout you could possibly choose yeah totally she's not Uh, gonna bring good candy she's gonna none of her pictures are gonna turn out and she's gonna just make noise and annoy the crap out of you but also tom's not even trying tom didn't even bring anything so i mean (laughs) leslie's crappy stuff is better than tom bringing nothing so tom's unnecessary rudeness to dave kind of ticked me off but If he had been sitting in the van for several hours affected by compost smell, I'll give him a little bit of grace, but only a slight bit. Because that was just completely unnecessary. He didn't need to say all that to Dave. Yeah. (sighs) Also, Ron's solution to managing his hernia. I have no clue how someone could sit that still that long. Like, there (laughs) has to be a better solution. Why was that the only thing he could think of? I mean, it does seem like a Ron solution. To be fair, maybe not a great solution, but a wrong solution. But like, would he have ended up sitting there for days until Probably. someone asked him? I, I'm recalling to mind the toe story where his toe just fell off because he didn't go to the hospital. So because uh, they would have to take his information. Exactly. Yeah. It does it. seem on brand for him. And now it is time for the coronation of the beautiful rule breaking moth. The segment in which we choose one specific thing that was the breakout star of the episode. We will start with you, Joe. I was just going to yell something in my Scottish accent, but I I (laughs) choked. (laughs) (laughs) So my beautiful rule-breaking moth for this episode is Ron's intimidating stare Mm. at the janitor. That was so epic. So, Joy, what, who or what is your beautiful rule-breaking moth for this episode? Dave. I, I love Dave's emotion-free factual descriptions and his on-camera interviews. Like, they just make me laugh so much. But, like, if I could choose two, I'd also laud April in this episode because I feel like her personality is totally coming out in all the ways I come to know and love. Um, and the beginnings of her complicated way of showing her loyalty to people is coming out and i love that she pushed ron out to the car in his office chair and ran him (laughs) into things which was probably intentional because april that was great 
And now it's time for the shaming of the Jerry. It's the part of the show where we shame one particular thing for bringing the episode down or being unnecessarily annoying. That was pretty awesome. Thank you. (laughs) Joe, who's your Jerry? So my Jerry for this episode, if you couldn't kind of sense where I was going with this already is just everything about Leslie's approach to stakeouts. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This was the least effective stakeout in the history of stakeouts. And I just feel like as a society, the Hardy boys taught us better than this. My jury is like the number of questions I'm left with. Like so many things just don't make sense when I slow down enough to actually hold the logistics and plausibility of the garden and I can't let it go makes sense yeah <laughs> after you did a deep dive like that yeah wow and now it's time for the awarding of the little sebastians the ceremony in which we rate each episode against the entire catalog of parks and recreation episodes by awarding it between one and five little sebastians one obviously being the lowest and five representing perfection the most magical episodes of all time success so joy how many little sebastians do you award the stakeout even though i had like a delightful time diving into this episode i'm still just gonna give it a three which mind you is like the first three i've ever given but this just isn't a four how about you joe i feel like that's a perfect assessment Mm. i also give this episode a three and here we are And now it's time for our favorite train wreck. (laughs) Where in the world world is is John Ralphio? Ralphio. John Ralphio, where are you? (laughs) (laughs) If you can't tell, I'm just doing it purposefully bad Yeah, I can tell. Thanks for that. Because I'm kind of in love with that. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, I'll go first on this one because it it's not incredibly inventive. It's just so obvious mm-hmm. I couldn't go mm-hmm. in a different direction for this episode. He's the kingpin. He planted the weed in the garden. Yeah. Yeah. Amanda and I actually talked about this and landed in the same place. Like, we think he's in business with Tom secretly to market the weed in the garden. <laughs> because Tom's bizarre lack of reaction when Leslie finds the weed is just telling because Tom goes, and someone planted a whole mess of weed next to the tomatoes. It's like his lack of emotion and reaction is just it's a little suspect, right? And then maybe after Leslie and Andy left to go get burgers, um, before he figured out how to jimmy into the van, maybe he went down into the pit and picked all the marijuana, which is why it wasn't there the next morning when Leslie and Dave went down. Yeah, I like that theory. I think there's definitely enough time for him to have done that while they were gone. Right. And that could explain just his overall kind of jumpy and aggressive demeanor in this episode. I love that. That is true. All right. We actually have We Got Jammed content this week. We Got Jammed. So I am jamming myself on both of these because I deserve it. 
In watching today's episode, first of all, I noticed the large metal object that sits in the corner of Ron's office, and I thought to myself, oh, is this the first time we've seen it? Is this another indicator of Ron's office developing into the one that we know and love? Only to realize, to my great shame, that this object, which is in fact a Czech hedgehog anti-tank obstacle from World War II... Naturally has been present in Ron's office since season one. Are you serious? Episode two. Are you kidding me? How did we miss this? I don't know. I've I've literally always wanted to know what that was. And now I know. Yeah, it's a Czech hedgehog anti-tank obstacle from World War II, which I, I think I had never looked into it further just because I assumed it was some piece of World War memorabilia because it, it pretty clearly looks like that. But interesting to know that is what it is. And you can buy miniature replicas of the Czech hedgehog on Amazon. And they look brutal, okay? Remember how painful jacks were to step on when yeah, you leave yeah. those things out? You, I mean, you think stepping on a Lego is bad? These little guys would mess you up. Yeah, that would, yeah, no. Mm -mm. So I'm jamming myself again. Oh, man. Because I'm angry at myself for not doing a better job in our last episode when we were talking about villains of mm -hmm. remembering those villains I like who were just cast to be hated. They're just bad to the bone because I knew that I had a lot in my mind. I just couldn't think of any of them in the last episode. But of course, as soon as we get done, you know, as soon as we get done recording last week's episode of course they all come back of course so i wanted to take this opportunity to list some of my favorite straight up evil mm. villains that all came to mind since we filmed last week's episode so here we go some amazingly cast straight up evil villains would be jason isaacs as uh, colonel no. tavington in the patriot joaquin phoenix as emperor commodus in gladiator uh, no. rufus sewell as Count Adamar in A Knight's Tale, or uh, any other movie he's in, for that matter, because I think he just plays a great villain. Probably gets typecast. Yeah. <laughs> no, no offense to anybody named Rufus. But the sharks are coming. Can you hear them? <laughs> Guy Pierce as Fernand Mondego in The Count of Monte Cristo. Imelda Staunton as Dolores Umbridge in the Harry Potter movies. I hate Dolores Umbridge with my whole being. She does such a fantastic job making I, that a just despised villain. I also hate pink and I also hate cats. <laughs> Goodbye, Dolores. You are dead to me. Xander Berkeley as Agent Gibbs in Air Force One. Badum. Tilda Swinton as the White Witch in the Narnia movies. Badum. Javier Bardem as Anton Chigurch in No Country for Old Men. Bum, ba -da, ba -ba -da, ba -ba -ba -bum. <laughs> the State of Florida. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> that took a left turn. Where did we just go? Oh, we went to the State of Florida. Listen, the State of Florida is 
hot. It's mostly swamps. There are living dinosaurs and giant snakes are taking over as the apex predator and destroying the ecosystem. You tell me that Florida is not the villain of the United States. Valid. You're also, I have the DMV. Yeah. Mm-hmm. COVID-19. Oh, yeah. That's it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like the Point, villain yeah. of 2020 slash the world. Slash 19. Uh, I also have the character of Francis in the Swiss Family Robinson. Yeah, I can't say I remember that. I'm just saying you watch that movie and you tell me that he's not the real villain. He cares for no one but himself. What a and jerk. He- actively works to sabotage the rest of the family the entire movie even when their lives are in jeopardy as they're under attack by pirates francis is the real villain of the swiss family robinson what a jerk and then since we are talking about villains and i do love talking about villains i put in a little honorary category here for villains who don't quite fit the bill of just being an outright evil totally corrupt villain so they are more complex but they're still just so delightful to watch and so my picks for this category would be ken chong as ben chang in community Mm. chang eats the sun and drinks the sky obviously gary oldman as igor korshtanov in air force one your pronunciations are on point well done thank you heath ledger as the joker in the dark knight Mm mm-hmm Josh Brolin as Thanos in the MCU. Mm-hmm. He is definitely totally evil, but at the same time, I felt like they did such a good job of fleshing out his character and giving him relatable motivations. Even if you don't agree, you understand why he's the way he is and, yeah. and why he's doing the things he does. And they gave him a level of complexity that I feel like excludes him from just the hated evil, you know. Uh, category that we were just talking about but he just brings this threatening presence to the mcu that was just incredible i remember watching those movies for the first time just an amazing amazing job then alex huff anderson as ivar the boneless and vikings he's another one of my favorite villains of all time in a tv show and mads mickelson as le chief in casino royale so there you go so those are some more of my favorite villains so yeah um had to jam myself a couple times there uh for missing the hedgehog anti-tank obstacle and for just dropping the ball in our villain discussion Mm -hmm. i hope i've made up for those things um so this morning i woke up and had a text from one of my friends named Katie who sent me an article all about the history of soul patches. Uh. <laughs> so according to TriviaHappy.com, uh, the true soul patch, the one that deserves the moniker of soul patch, isn't compromised. Compromise? <laughs> that feels really weird. Why did they use compromised? Comprised? No. It should no, be it's, comprised. It's, no, it should be compromised. This is just like a very, very lofty description. I don't, I don't like the these words. Patch. <laughs> so to paraphrase what TriviaHappy.com said, um, a true soul patch is really just that little patch of hair underneath the lip. It's not sideburns or mustaches or anything else. It's just that little, as they said, a tidy nest of hair below the lower lip. And that's it. 
<laughs> I don't like that they called it a nest, first and foremost. I don't like any of this. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, it was originally made popular by Dizzy Gillespie in the 40s and 50s. Um, he was a jazz musician, and it was initially known as the Jazz Dab. <laughs> um, it's also been made famous by the Blues Brothers, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Pearl Jam, and just goes on and on and on. So, like, because I grew up in a Christian home, the only thing I thought of was Toby Mac. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> So here we are. No. And now it's definitely time for Johnny Karate's five <laughs> karate moves to, or no. Are you saying back. we need to end this episode? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I'm saying we need to move away from talking about <laughs> nests of hair and what's on Toby Mac's face. <laughs> so badly. The... <laughs> Bobby Newport enjoys discussions <laughs> about Toby Maxinest officially. <laughs> Wait, didn't Bobby Newport have one? I don't think so. I think he's clean shaven. Oh, I just really <laughs> like want him to have one. How you're looking this up for the sole purpose of prolonging this discussion. For the sole purpose of a soul patch. Ah, Ooh. Boom. You're welcome. <laughs> Take that. <sighs> We're dieseling. It's going downhill fast. <laughs> maybe right. maybe the unedited is what we post to Patreon. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Patrons slash Joy's counselor slash my counselor. <laughs> Please send help. Love you so much, K-Bye. What, what is this if not just a massive cry for help? <laughs> what is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Uh, don't you dare get a soul patch. <laughs> <laughs> never gonna end. Nests <laughs> oh, of hair and Toby Mac. <laughs> is that is that worse than snake balls? I'm having to think about it. It's not worse, but it's not better. I'm gonna say they're equally bad. Mm. Now it's time for Johnny Karate's Karate Moves to Success, an inspirational segment in which we apply the Karate Moves to Success in our own lives. So, Joy, what would you like to karate chop this week? When pens dry up. It's just really frustrating. It's like a game of roulette. Like, I'm going to reach into my little box that has all my pens. Will it work? Will it not work? I don't know. It's really irritating. Sure. What do you want to karate chop, Joe? Other than soul patches and snake balls. <laughs> I had something different here. <laughs> I'm changing it. Oh, man. Joy, I'm karate chopping <laughs> you <laughs> for putting for putting nest of hair, <laughs> nest of facial hair, and Toby Mac in the same sentence and creating this nightmare. Whoa, they were two sentences. <laughs> I, in the same thought. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Uh-huh. They were <laughs> completely exists. different bullet points. It exists now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, like, and you're welcome. I like how you're not, like, fighting me head on. You're getting sassy about the fact that I said it was one sentence when it was two different bullet points. Uh-huh. They are completely <laughs> different sentences. Let's be correct here about our verbiage. <laughs> <laughs> But at least it's small and tidy, <laughs> according to the <laughs> description. <laughs> All 
right. I'm just going to go ahead and move on to what I want to do to be nice to someone because I'm not being very nice to you right now. So, <laughs> I want to continue to be nice to my neighbors. Um, I was able to connect with some of my neighbors this week and it was it was everything. Um, I feel like being a millennial, it's just hard to actually get to know your neighbors because growing up, like somebody new would move in. We'd be like, hey, here's some brownies. Welcome to the neighborhood and like exchange numbers and all of that. That doesn't really happen much anymore. Right. So I got in contact with the neighbors across the street, um, found out he is a pilot and he does woodworking. And I also have my pilot's license and I love woodworking. So when we were building a climbing wall in our garage, um, I needed a circular saw. So I went and he saved our climbing wall project. Um, So I finally this week got their number and I gave them a loaf of fresh sourdough and then his wife, Deb, um, texted me that it was so good. So now I have both of their numbers. And then Deb was like, it's time for a bake-off. So she made me this week um, some yummy sweet pecan rolls. Ooh, I do oh, love so sweet good. pecan rolls. So I'm going to be nice back to them and make them something. I'm probably going to whip, whip up like a batch of crackers tonight or something with my sourdough. Good job. Thank That's you. That's awesome. All right, Joe, <laughs> who are you going to be nice to this week? So this week I have a Netflix recommendation. Mm. It's still quarantine and social distancing and all that stuff. And by now, if you're anything like us, the list of things that you have to watch is probably getting a little sparse. So if you've never watched Community, now is the time. It's on Netflix now. It's an absolute gem. It's one of my favorite TV series of all time. It has some of the best, universally recognized, best episodes of comedy TV ever made. Uh, if you're a fan of pop culture, um, their their meta comedy is just incredible. Uh, I promise you will not regret. We went on so many rants today, so we're probably going to post the unedited version to our Patreon. So if you want to hear the long form, real time insanity. The giant. Oh, my goodness. I can't believe I'm going to do this. But like (laughs) the version that you non patrons are going to hear is the small, tidy nest Mm -hmm. that is a true soul batch Mm -hmm. and patrons are going to get the snake ball. Oh my gosh, what a comparison. Oh, I have thoroughly enjoyed all of the little rabbit trails we've been on this this episode, but they unfortunately cannot all make it into the final cut. No, they can't. So you're just going to have to jump on Patreon if you want all this madness. I would also like all to right. give a shout out to our first ever patron. Susan, thanks for joining us. Absolutely. So proud of you. So excited to build up the content on Patreon. Yes. Because we're really funny. (laughs) You're not going to say anything to that. You're just going to leave that hanging. No, back me up, champion. Yeah, I don't don't know. I mean, I think we're funny, but I don't I I don't know. I want to be careful with all this celebrity that's building up around Barks and Rewatch. Yeah, 2000 downloads, one patron. It's the big leagues, man. It's the big leagues. I just, you know, I hope that fame doesn't change us. So if you would like the 
unedited version of this episode and lots of other goodness, you can head over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash parks and rewatch. Become a patron at one of our three different support tiers over there. We'd love to have you. We are really excited to create content for our Patreon. We have so many fun ideas in the works, so there's no better time than right now to head on over there and pick a tier to support us. You can send us an email at rewatchparks at gmail.com, and you can follow us on Instagram at rewatchparks. Shoot us an email. Shoot us a message on our Instagram. We'd love to hear from you. We really have loved so much the messages that we have received from you already. It brightens our day every time we see you guys in our inbox, and I really am humbled uh, just to hear feedback from some of you that during this time of stress and uncertainty, our crazy little podcast has brought some joy and some levity to your life. I mean, that that is just so huge for me. So thank you so much to everyone who is listening. Um, I'm just blown away. It's It makes it so real. Like yeah. we can see the numbers of like, yeah, we just celebrated over 2000 downloads. That's amazing. But when we actually hear from you, it makes it real. Yeah, absolutely. It's so meaningful. And I like that you said it brings you joy in this time. And I would like to edit that to, um, and it brings you joy and joy in this time. <laughs> it brings you joy and joy in this time. <laughs> time. <laughs> in this time. All right. Wait, wait, I got it. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> You gotta make your your you gotta make it a little more sassy. Uh, sassy and Scottish at the same time. I <laughs> time. <laughs> okay, well, obviously I can do this. <laughs> Let's be sassy. <laughs> sassy and Scottish at the same time, alright everybody? It's time to end the podcast. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>